0: Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Church Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people take their next step to move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridgechristian.com. I think there's some tissues down here in front. Have you got, Yeah, anybody need those? I got a little lump in my throat after that. No, we are... We're actually here, man. It's, uh, it's the end of a, another school year, so I know there are a lot of people in the room. Some teachers, they're excited. Some children, they're excited. So parents are excited. I want to see, see by just an applause or eruption or what may happen. Children, who's, are you excited about the end of another school year, kids? Everybody? Not bad for young people for a 945 service. All right. What about the adults? Any, any parents here? Teachers? All right we got to do better next service, guys. All right. But, no, I think, yeah, I'm excited as well. And we are actually, for, if, for some special people um, in the room, they are transitioning from one phase of life into another phase. So if you are a graduate of 2017, would you please just stand up? I think we have, yeah, there's Nick. Okay, a couple of people right here. Yes. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. You guys, you guys can have a seat. Not only is it them, but their family and supporting, uh, you know, there's a lot of supporting cast that goes into that as well that helps helps you along the way. So you guys, major milestone moment. Uh, for me, I remember graduation as I think back through that. Graduated just down the road at John Milledge Academy back in 1999. Big class of 42 students. Now, if I were to ask, if look back now and thinking, all right, was I prepared for college? Was I prepared for that transition that just happened, that next phase of life? I think... You know, from an academic standpoint, yes. Uh, I don't know how, but maybe I just got along good with a teacher. Somehow I graduated with, a, with above a 3.0 GPA. So from an academic standpoint, I'm like, okay, maybe so. From a cultural shock standpoint, <laughs> no way. No way was I ready for this. So I went from such a structured environment in high school, and then I transferred out or went out into Georgia College And there was no class attendance policy. (laughs) I'm like, woo, this is awesome. So, I mean, you talk about distractions, right? I love me some golf. So not only was golf already a distraction, but with no class attendance policy, it became a larger distraction. Uh, Then there were, I mean, other distractions that were there. Girls, right? There were distractions. You had had so many different things uh, that were distractions that I wasn't really quite prepared for. And, And maybe your story... It's similar to mine in so many ways. Maybe, maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe for you, you didn't go into college, but you went into the workforce or you went into uh, the military, and there were some distractions there. Now, maybe for you, uh, it was distractions like, man, I want to go out and I want to make as much money as possible so I can move out of my parents' home and, and settle down on my own, become independent. So... Again, a great thing, but maybe just being focused on money became a distraction to you and you became consumed by it. Maybe for you it was you just want to settle down with your high school sweetheart and that's all you wanted. And, uh, and that's a good thing after high school. Uh, maybe for you it was much like some of mine were. Maybe you wanted just to go out and you wanted to experience life. So uh, you kind of went and tried and did everything that you possibly could. Maybe those were the distractions for you. You know, maybe for you it was I want to go and find myself. Anybody ever heard that? Hey, just send them off. Let them go find themselves during college, if that's even possible. Because Jesus actually says we've got to lose ourselves to find true life. But that's a whole other sermon for another day. We're not going there. But were you prepared? Were you prepared? What would you have to say about yourself? Looking back on it now, was I prepared for that transition? Maybe a better question for us to look at and for us to try to answer this morning is we need to really define something. I want you to ask yourself, and you may have it in your hand out there, what is the win? What is the win? What is it that you want at the end of life? What would would you want? You can go ahead and just take a second and jot that down. I know it's kind of maybe a deep thought this early in the morning, but what is the win? What do you want out of life? So as we transition, though, that thought, or you can keep writing if you are, as you transition that thought, so what's the win that I want to have life to what's the win for us as parents? What is the win for us as grandparents? What's the win for us as a church family? What does that even look like? So to help me illustrate this point, I'm going to ask you, if you are under the age of 18, years, or 18 or older, excuse me, if you're 18 or younger, please stand up. 18 and younger, please stand up. All right, okay, so here's everybody else, say, yeah, if you're, if you're under the age of 18, go ahead and stand up. So if you would, church, go ahead and take a look around. I want you to put uh, some faces to these people, okay? Take a look around. 18 and under right here. Here's the problem, though. As you now have put a face to the number I'm about to give you, this, you're going to see an alarming problem because Lifeway has done some research and their research is very alarming to us because they're saying that seven out of 10 of the children you see right here, seven out of 10 will walk away from the church by the time they're 20 years old. So this, you guys right here, you can go ahead and sit down. This section, you can go ahead and sit down. This section, you can sit down. Out of all the kids right here would be left. You guys can have a seat. That's alarming, isn't it? When we stop and, and look at that, so what's the win? Does that does it now change your answer a little bit? If you could see yourself now, and, and, because I want to speak to you, so if you can see yourselves now 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, maybe you're now a parent or grandparent, great-grandparent, and you had to define yourself, was I successful? Did, was I a successful parent, grandparent, great-grandparent? What's your measuring stick? What are you going to use? Are you going to look at the fact and say, well, my kids had a great job. Man, they were star athletes, star musicians. They did some really cool and awesome things. They did some amazing stuff. They have a stable marriage. So, yeah, I would have to say, check, success. And what about a graduate of 2017? Let's take a look at them for just a moment. How would we define a successful graduate in 2017? Well, I'll tell you how the world is looking to define it. The world says if they're at the top of their class, if they're a star athlete, if they are very diverse and they're not just an athlete, but they're into the theater arts and to music and they're in that, they have amazing grades, as I said, top of their class. They're getting into the top school, an Ivy League school, and they have an amazing girlfriend or boyfriend. Then that right there is what the world would say. That person has it together and they're on the road for success. Sounds great, but we just don't see that in Scripture. Those are all good things, and I, look, I want those for my kids as well. But as we get into Scripture, we, we don't really see that kind of play out. What we're going to be looking at today is I want us to look at the authoritative, the, the, the truth here, the Scripture, God's Word. I'm not an expert on parenting, so I do feel, I don't feel... Excuse me, let me rephrase that. I don't feel responsible to give you my parenting advice. And for some of you, you're probably like, whoo, thank you. I don't want your parenting advice anyway. For others of you, you know, I don't want to have to give you my philosophy on parenting. Where I want us to go to talk about parenting or grandparenting or see, is I want to go to the truth. I want to go to God's word. And I know the moment I say that, some of you who have been in church for a while, you can say, that's great, Brian. But Habakkuk and 2 Chronicles and Leviticus, man, they really don't teach me a whole lot about parenting. Fair assumption. Fair assumption. Believe me, if they did, man, I would love right now, Tyler is 12, going on to those teenage years, and Lori and I are, are, are seeing some things. I would love to flip to the back of my concordance, see where it says how to parent a teenager. Oh, hormones. Great. Let me go right there. And that gives me everything I need. If you find it, let me know because I haven't seen it in mine yet. It's not there. But here's what I do know. Is that when we begin to open up God's Word, and we do read Leviticus, and we get, do begin to dive into Second Chronicles, and we read and study Habakkuk? Here's what I know: is that you will be able to tra- will be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ, and that is what our children need to see more than any Dr. Phil episode, any self help book, and that is what we need more than any other parenting class. We need to grow into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. So here's, if you're filling in blanks, you can fill this in. The word is enough. The word is sufficient. So if God is, has given it to us, and he did it many, many years ago, he's not now looking down in 2017 saying, I must have made a mistake. I must have been sleeping on that day because I so didn't see Snapchat or cell phones coming out. I'm a, what, what was I doing? No, God's not doing that. He's still sitting on the throne in control he has given us exactly what we need, his word. He knew exactly what he was doing because what he wants more than anything is to you to grow into his image and to become more like his son, Jesus. So with that in mind, with that is the framework that we're going to look at, we're going to dive into God's word today. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 1 through 3 as we get started this morning. If you don't have one, please pick up one at our welcome center, but it'll be coming on the screen behind me as well. So Luke chapter 10, 1 through 3. Dr. Luke writes to us, he says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs, In the midst of wolves, one of the cool things that I think about this passage is I was doing some studying. Most of the disciples, most of the seventy-two around that time, would have been in their very early twenties, late teens, even some as young as thirteen or fourteen years old. I'm like, Ah, Jesus was a youth pastor. That's pretty cool. But what I'm saying is, is it paints a perfect picture of what of what we're celebrating today is our high school seniors going on into the next phase of their life. Jesus is sending out his seventy-two into the next phase into their next journey. Of their life. And, and some of the things, some are going to some unknown territory. I think some of our students may be going off to college into an unknown territory. Some going into the military as an unknown territory. Some staying here in Milledgeville, maybe at a familiar place, but there's still a lot of uncertainty. They're leaving the structure, a schedule that they may have been so accustomed to. Still others are going maybe to a college or going off to a career, start a career that they may have some familiarity with, but there's still a whole lot of uncertainty there much like the disciples that Jesus is sending out. And I begin to think, as a parent myself, and as parents here today, and as grandparents, especially as a youth pastor, I begin to think this. Is when we celebrate our seniors and they move on, the question that we have to wrestle with, have I done enough? Have I done enough? Maybe a better way of saying this, are they prepared? Are they prepared and for what we can look at that question for whatever phase of life you're in right now, you can look at it, maybe you have younger children and you're preparing your, your child to go into their first day of kindergarten, and you can feel the squeeze and the nervousness just come from them as you're walking down the hallway, and you're, the thought the question that comes in your mind, have I done enough? Or are they prepared for what they are about to experience, Or parents of teenagers that moment when you begin to release some control and hand them the car keys. Right? That sinking feeling that you have in your stomach. You begin to think also, have I done enough? Are they prepared? And just as we've been talking about graduates, our high school seniors, going to think as they move on into their next phase of life, have I done enough? Are they prepared? And I think that's a very fair question. So where do we want to go to find this answer? Well, let's see how Jesus did it. How did Jesus send out his 72? Did he tell them, hey, here's what I want you to do. Go start a business and go make as much money as you possibly can. That would be awesome. Go dominate, guys, in every sport that you can imagine. Go do that. And that is a success. Did he prepare them for that? No. Here's what we see from the life of Jesus. We see that Jesus spent time with his disciples. Three years that we know of. Jesus spent time with his disciples. Now, Jesus spends three years, guess what, as a parent, as a grandparent, we have 936 weeks from the time they're born until the time they're 18 years old. So here's what I want to say this morning is that every week matters. Every time you talk to them, every word that you say, every memory you make, every car ride that you have, every week matters matters. As we spend time with our children. The other thing that Jesus did is that he taught the scripture. I know, sitting here, you're like, yeah, that's great, Brian. He was Jesus, right? I'm not. He, he knew the word, he, he practically wrote it. Um, but no, Jesus taught the word. Now, he didn't just teach it in church on Sunday mornings, he made it a part of his everyday life. When he was walking, he would teach. When he was sitting down at the lake, he would teach. When he was having conversations with children, he would teach the word of God. He took took advantage of every opportunity he had to teach the word of God. Even so, so, when he is battling Satan in Matthew chapter 4, and he's having this conversation, he's been out in the desert, he's starving 40 days without food, and the enemy, Satan says, why don't you turn those stones into bread, man? I know you're hungry. And Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. I find it interesting that he didn't say man doesn't live by bread alone, but we live on all the money we make. We live by all the trophies we will store up to collect dust one day. No, he said man lives by the word of God. Where did he get that? Where did he get that just teaching happened, was a part of his life? It was threaded into everything that he did. Where did Jesus get that? Well, he got it from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. God's speaking to Moses and he says this in verse 6, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I think God just covered everything. You mean God when I get up in the morning? Yeah. When you get up in the morning, you talk about it. When when I lie down? Yeah, when you lie down. What about when I'm taking my son to baseball practice? Talk about it on the car ride. Everywhere we go, the thread of the gospel should be taught and talked about. But where does God make it central? Where in that, in Deuteronomy, where does God make it central? He doesn't say in the church. While that's extremely important, don't get me wrong. But what he is saying is the home is the central place to equip our children. The home is the essential place to equip our children. As parents, as grandparents, as the church, we not only have the responsibility, but it is a gift. Scripture teaches that children are a gift to us. It is a gift for us to teach them God's word. But we've got a problem. Because in our culture and in our age today, we live in an age of professionalism. And we want our children to make the, to get into the best school possible. So they got to get their SAT scores up. So I'm, I'm going to hire a tutor. A good thing. I'm not saying anything's wrong with these. So we hire out a tutor so they can do that. Hire out a professional. We say that we want our child to be the best athlete we can, they can be. So now we hire out somebody to teach them some of the small details that we don't know. Again, not a bad thing. But the problem is, is that we've taken that and we've transferred that mindset and that thinking, that line of thinking over to the church. And so when we walk into the church, we think we need a professional to do it. So when we go up to our children's check-in counters, we're we're basically in that same mindset thinking, here, I've just checked them in. I'm going to let the professionals handle it. Drop them off at at Merge on Wednesday night. I'm going to let the professionals handle it. That's not what Scripture is teaching us today. Now, there are a whole lot smarter people than I am that, that talk and write and study on how churches grow. And they say that you really you need parking. You gotta have great parking, right? Nobody wants to come in and find it all jammed, nowhere to park. You've got to have a great children and youth ministry. And you've got to have some dynamic preaching. And I'll be honest with you, here at Northridge, we do take those. Those are excellent values that we want to do. We want to do everything with excellence. It's one of our values. Don't miss this. We are not trying to grow our church by saying, hand them off to a professional. We do not want you to subcontract your growth or your children's growth to us, but we do want to partner with you. God has not only commanded us, he said, This is a gift I am giving you. It's our responsibility to equip, to prepare our children. Now, I love sports. I do. I, I love just about every kind of sports, man. Winter Olympics is going to be coming on. I'm going to be watching uh, curling as they shovel it down. I don't even understand it, but I'm watching it. Um, and I love Georgia football. I do. UGA football. And I love it with a passion. And one of the things that I've done loving sports through the years is I've had the the privilege of coaching my boys in just about every sport they've played, whether it's head coach or just being a part of the coaching staff in every sport they've played since they could even play sports. And nothing. There's a lot of things that bring me joy. When they get a base hit, and when Tyler scored the winning run the other night, I'm like, "Yes, that is awesome." I'm freaking out as a dad. And and then when you know if they make a catch, those, those things excite me. But there's nothing more exciting. There's nothing that fills my heart with greater joy than when I hear my kids worshiping in the background of our car on a car ride to school, and I don't even have the radio on. And they're singing Unstoppable God. (laughs) That is awesome. There's nothing more awesome than when my son comes in and he says, Hey, Daddy, I I want Joshua 1-9 on my wall. like, dude, you got sports posters all over. That's my favorite verse. There's nothing more awesome than that. There's not a catch in this world or a base hit that can top that. The home is the central place for us to equip our children And parents, we have everything that we need. I'm not a, I didn't go to a Bible school. I went right here at Georgia College myself. So what I'm trying to tell you is that we have everything we need to disciple our children. You may feel like, gosh, I I can't do it. I don't know. God has equipped you in every way. And and here at Northridge, as I said, we want to, we don't want to leave you hanging. We know, we believe wholeheartedly that you, parents, grandparents, you guys will be the primary voice in your children's life. Not us not us even through the teenage years and when it feels like when it sounds like they're feels like they're not even listening they are they are because here's the deal guys on a great year on a great year we may see your children 40 hours a year you will see them 4000 your voice will always be greater than ours. So we want to partner with you. And Pastor Mike talked about it last week. If you have not downloaded this app this week, this is really a, a must download if you have a smartphone. It's called the Parent Q app. Okay? And this app, it, it goes in line. And even if you're a grandparent, I would strongly recommend to download this app on your phone because what it's going to do is it ties in with what's going on in Main Street and in Kidsville and what we do out in Merge. And it gives you pieces of scripture to talk about. It also, here's the the alarming thing, it tells you how many more weeks you have left until they turn 18. Some people I've, I've mentioned that too. They're like, I don't want to see that. <laughs> but when we see it, we have to do something about it. Every week matters. Every week matters. But I want to keep on going in verse three. Jesus says something that's very, very alarming. And sometimes we can kind of just skim over what, what he may say. But in the second part of verse 3, he says, Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. As lambs in the midst of wolves. Now, Scripture over and over teaches about sheep. And you've heard us say from the stage that sheep are really dumb animals. If you've been around sheep, you can say, yes, they are dumb. But Jesus doesn't use just the word sheep. He uses lambs. So not only do we have dumb animals, we've got really dumb, uh, dumb animals, right? Right. So Jesus saying, hey, I'm going to send you out. You, you little lambs are going to go out in the midst of wolves. I'm like, okay, well, what's a wolf like? Dangerous, ferocious, ready to attack and ready to devour. And that's our spiritual enemy too, guys. So, yes, I know we've talked a lot about children today, but I want to come now to the adults. So the question I'm asking you is, are you prepared? Are you ready? I don't think this verse was just intended for the 72 disciples. This verse was intended to our children and to us. As Jesus is sending us out, the question we have to ask, am I prepared? Now, on their own, the disciples would have probably done a pretty good job. I mean, they hung out with Jesus for three years. They saw him do some things. They may have met a few needs. They may have, may have even done some great deeds and, and, and helped some people along the way. But they would have been pretty much helpless But they were prepared. They were prepared because they were with Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. So are we? If we look at this number, if the kids that we saw earlier here in the service, if we were to think back to that and we take a look at the 7 out of 10, we're going to be walking away from the church by the time they're 20 years old. Have we prepared them? Have we done enough? We've got to do something. What are we going to do to stop this epidemic? Two things I believe that we can do to stop this epidemic. Number one, there is research that's been done by Fuller Youth Institute out in California. They partner with churches and youth ministries to help in this process. They understand that this is an alarming rate that kids are walking away from the church. So what can we do? One of the things they found out of the 30% of the children who stayed in the church, a common theme came back to five to one. Five to one. Here's what I mean by that. Five adults to every one child. Five adults outside the parents or grandparents or guardians. Five adults. Five adults from different demographics, different socioeconomic levels. Five different adults within the church family that they would want to connect their child with. Here's why. Because they know that like-minded people will help shepherd their children. They know that they will be praying for their children. That They know that there will be a time... and Parents of teenagers, you know this, they're not going to want to talk to you, but they can go to them, to somebody who's like-minded. Five to one. So how can you be a part of that? Well, a shameless plug here, you can help with the next-gen ministry, and that's Kidsville, Main Street, and Merge. You can get plugged in by serving and investing in the life of a child. Not only do they need you, but as parents, many parents I've talked to, Parents are also screaming for help as well. We need help. I'm one of them because I've got a 12-year-old. I need help. Five to one. Maybe for you, you're like, man, I've already got three kids of my own. How do I do this? I don't have enough time. The calendar's already booked. My guess is that your kids are inviting other kids over into their house. How about investing in those kids when they come over? Use your home as that. Five to one. The second thing that we can do as parents and grandparents and guardians, we have to model it. We have to model what Jesus is like. Not only do we have to tell our kids, kids, Jesus is important. Yes, Jesus is important. They've got to see that he's important in our own life. So if I were to ask you the question right now, where does Jesus fall in your rankings? And really, all we have to do with that is just look at your calendar, I'm sure. But if I were to ask you, where does Jesus fall in your rankings, where would it be? I can tell you this, our Savior did not die on a cross to come in second place. If He's not number one, we might have to do, not might, we do have to do some rearranging. But we have to model it. So, how do we model this? Well, we begin by reading His Word. You can just simply pick up a book. We teach it down in Growth Track on week two. It's called, one, it's called The Soap method, but you can pick up God's word. It doesn't have to be long. It could be a three verses, the verses we just read this morning, and ask your children, hey guys, what did you think about that? Okay, what is, what is something that you, you think that you can take and actually put into your life? Okay, now let's pray about it. It's called the soap method. But you can do that as a family. Then you can pray together. There is nothing cooler than hearing your child pray over dinner Do you know your children's prayer requests? Do they know yours? How cool would it be for your child to be praying for you? Let's be honest, we all need it. But pray together and then worship together as a family. Worship does not have to be just singing in a car, although that could be, man, just crank up the worship music when you get out and sing as a family. But worship could be serving together. As a family, how about sharing a meal around a table together as a family? It could be an act of worship. I know that seems so weird in our culture today because we're so fast paced, but let's press pause for a moment, gather around a table, and share a meal together. That could be worship. We have to model it. We have to model it. So, what's the win? What's the win? Are they prepared? That's the question we're wrestling with. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, the amazing grace that that you've given us, Jesus, that when you said that you were not going to leave us alone, that you were going to give us your Holy Spirit, that we have everything we need living inside of us and that you can do more than you ask or, or more than we can ask or imagine according to your power at work within us. Jesus, you can do that. You have prepared us and equipped us as parents, grandparents, and guardians to do that. Jesus, what we need is you. Help us to see you right now in this moment. I'm going to go down and we'll close with Luke 10, verse 17. We get to see the disciples returning, so it's kind of like that college student coming home or your kids coming home. But the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Like, Jesus, man, it is amazing. You won't even believe it, Jesus. We saw all these miracles and saw all these amazing things, Jesus. It is mind-blowing. You can't believe it. And Jesus is like, I I understand, guys. I understand. I've seen them too, and it is awesome. But then we get to verse 20. Jesus says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Church, do we want to see miracles? Do we want to be a part of a movement of God that can do more than we can ask or imagine? Yeah, we, I think every single person filling a seat right now and listening online, we want to be a part of something bigger. We desire that. We want a greater purpose and we want our lives to matter. And Jesus said, man, those are some amazing things. But rejoice that your name is written in heaven. He says that to the 72 and go down to verse 21. It says, in the same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, God in the flesh, now rejoicing in God in the Spirit, full of Spirit. And he's rejoicing. Can you imagine as a proud parent, you're just rejoicing. You're so happy that your kids are getting, that your kids are growing into the image and likeness of Jesus. That they're making wise decisions and you're you're so excited. Yes, they're getting it. They're seeing it. And down in verse 23, some scholars believe that this is the most intimate moment shared with the disciples. It says, turning to the disciples, he said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Well, it's like question, as we're reading that, we're like, well, what do they see? Miracles, Yeah, but Jesus said, don't, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice in being known. What are they seeing? I'll tell you what they're seeing. They are seeing Jesus, church. And that is what we need to see right now this morning. We need Jesus. Our kids need to see Jesus in us. We need to see Jesus. And then, guys, we will be a part of a movement. We will begin to see God moves in ways that we could never imagine or ever begin to ask for. According to the power that is at work within You, Are you ready for that church? Do you want to be a part of that movement? Then let's stand and let's worship Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message. If you'd like to find out more about Northridge, visit our website at northridgechristian.com. If you'd like to stay connected throughout the week, download our ChurchLink app today for your iOS or Android device.